You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. If you're a seasoned pierogi man, <laughs> you don't count. Like you all know, three I, of us I, are, I'm uh, sure. To me, that's a bit of an amateur pierogi <laughs> thing. Uh, and once you've gone pro, um, you know, you just it's like um, it's like the great athletes once they score a touchdown. They, they look like they've been there before, right? They just uh, they put the ball down and they and they move on. That's Hand it back to the for, official. <laughs> that's the right. That's the, that's the same for a pierogi man. So yeah, no counting. Grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the two and out CFL podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do. Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people too. Talk fantasy football bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hook! And we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. It's Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. We have a very special episode of Two and Out for you today. The Commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, is calling into the show. Uh, we're going to talk to him about all kinds of all kinds of topics. We put it out on Twitter. You guys want to know about a video game, maritime expansion, all kinds of things that we talked to Randy about. I'm going to pull back the curtain a little bit on uh, to and out as well. And I, you know, I would say probably about 95% of podcasts. A lot of times, the uh, the small talk, the little stuff at the beginning of a show gets edited out. Things get tightened up a little bit. I thought that this one was. So well done. <laughs> Randy is so easy to talk to. It was so much fun. I don't want to edit any of it out. So we're going to give you the full conversation. Randy Ambrosi, Travis Curra, and Brazilian Thai. I hope you like it. Hello, it's Travis speaking. Hello, Travis. It's Randy Ambrosi speaking. Well, how are you? Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, Travis, it's a pleasure. I'm glad to do it. Uh, so I got Tyrell on the line. Before I hit record, I just want to make sure that you guys can uh, hear each other. So, Tyrell, give us a test. Test one, two. Test one, two. Oh, I'll tell you, I just heard that melodic tone of Tyrell's <laughs> voice. Hold on. Wait a minute. I'm getting emotional. Just give, me a, give me a second to pull myself together. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard myself described it melodic. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what, man, it is just a thing of beauty. <laughs> so, uh, thank you, sir. Randy Ambrosi, thank you so much for calling in. What do we call you? Kamish? Randy? Booty? Oh, I mean, how did you get that nickname? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Boy, there's a long story there. Listen, whatever makes you happy. Look, at I, I've, got, uh, I've got three amazing daughters, and I respond to, hey, you... Pops, uh, a few other names. <laughs> old, I, my my youngest, uh, my second oldest calls me old man. Yeah. Uh, so listen, as long as you don't call me late for dinner, I'm good. All right. <laughs> uh, you, you last played in the CFL 25 years ago. Now we're here in 2018. How do you feel the league has changed since you last played, or how do you feel the players are different even? Well, the players are amazing, and uh, you know, quite honestly, I, I'm so proud of the of the time that I played and and the era that I played in. You know, so many of the players that were you know part of my crew, you know, my teammates, and I think of Dan Froney, 
you know, one of my dearest friends, Pierre Bercheval, who, you know, both of them are in the Hall of Fame. I think some of the guys we tried to, you know, we tried to block. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, Vince Goldsmith comes to mind and, and uh, you know, so many other great players, Grover Covington, Mike Walker, uh, Rodney Harding, uh, you know, Michael Gray. Those four guys were world-class athletes. But these athletes today are special. They're bigger. They're stronger. Uh, first of all, I think their level of fitness is better. Uh, they train. I mean, their training techniques are better. Uh, I, I'm convinced. And, you know, I'm just honored to be around them. I just uh, every time I get to be down on the field and I see these guys, uh, these men walk by or, you know, of course, perform on the field. I'm just honored to be uh, connected with them. Now, in 1993, Twitter wasn't around, but we knew uh, you were coming on the show. So we went to Twitter and said, hey, what would people uh, like to know straight to the source, to uh, the commissioner, the man of the people? So Fake Gainer, I think he's one of the most popular personalities on Twitter. He wants to know what has been more important to your success as a commissioner, your background as a player, or more your recent history in the world of wealth management and business relations? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think like everything or most things in life, it's usually a combination of things. You know, seldomly is our success determined by one particular thing or another. You know, I I think there is no doubt that my, you know, my ability to relate to the game itself and, you know, my respect for the players, you know, having walked a mile or two in their shoes helps me. Um, I definitely think it's it's helped me to build a, a rapport with the player association. Um, certainly, being in the you know in, around the governor's table, it's helped that I've had a you know a long career in business and I talk the same language as our as our governors do. So, you know, in so many ways, it all it it's all part of a of a patchwork quilt. And I'm just uh, been so excited. This first year was uh, was remarkable. And I'm looking forward to bigger, brighter days ahead. But I, I honestly think it's uh, it's all of the above, and and then you just have to keep learning. Now you have been in that role for yeah, just over a year. Is there anything you learned about the CFL that maybe you didn't know before this past year? Well, you know, again, great question, and I might uh, I might suggest it goes something like this. I think even going back to my playing days. Uh, and I know having talked to players of my era and now this new era, I think we all felt that this league was punching below its weight, that that there was so much upside potential, you know, for the game to grow and, and to, you know, grow our fan base and and, uh, and build our league. And, and I'm seeing firsthand now, you know, I've got this amazing collection of team presidents that I work with, and I, I know how, you know, dedicated they are. I think we all recognize the opportunity to to grow the game, to work together, to be more collaborative. I think this this league, like perhaps most leagues, there was a not only competing off the on the field, but competing on the field uh, or off the field as well. And then we're and we're you know we're learning how to work together, you know, learning how to collaborate, best practices, you know, using data. I, I just think that I feel today, sitting where I am, that this game has tremendous upside potential to be bigger and stronger. And, and, uh, and now that I'm, you know, so closely connected to it, I, I feel it even more. 
Now, a lot of people, of course, want to know about expansion. And Joel has asked about the latest progress on the Atlantic team. I know you could only say so much, but is there any more good news for us? Well, you know, I think the process is the good news. Uh, You know, I caution everyone, and myself included, you know, I wake up every day and remind myself that, you know, it's not done until it's done. I, I happened to have a call last night with uh, New Brunswick uh, Premier uh, Brian Gallant, who's just a gentleman in every sense of the word. And, you know, Brian uh, was just, you know, reminding me that on behalf of in the, all of Atlantic Canada, they would like to see a team, you know, come to the region. And I was just, you know, remarkably uh, encouraged by that call. You know, I've had a chance to, to speak with, Nova Scotia Premier uh, McNeil, and you know again another gentleman, and he's you know he's passionate. Uh, Mayor Savage in Halifax, Halifax Town Council by unanimous uh, support agreed uh, three weeks ago to give the town manager the, the the approval to put together a formal stadium proposal. So that work is being done. I'm very encouraged by it. I I just you know kind of get up. Uh, every morning and put on my, you know, put on my cheerleader outfit. And, um, <laughs> you know, which I don't think that's a particularly good visual, by the way. Uh, but, you know, you kind of wake up and you just encourage them. We're working closely with uh, Maritime Football, which is the group that are petitioning to have the team. And they're, again, fantastic people, every one of them. So, uh, yeah, look, Nothing particularly newsy to deliver other than good people, good process, and uh, reasons for optimism. But, you know, it's not done until it's done. Ryan asked about something about expansion, but a little bit differently. He asked if the league would ever take a page out of the NFL's marketing playbook and expand the product in global markets, because I think our Canadian boys just won the Under-19 football championship in Mexico, and there were like 40,000 people in the stands. Is that sort of an opportunity the CFL would look forward to in the future? Did you say that it was Brian who asked that question? Ryan. Ryan, yeah, you tell Ryan that he's completely on my on the same page as I am. Nice. And I've been talking about this a lot with our governors. There's a, an entire world of gridiron football. You know, some things that uh, that your listeners might not know. You know, there's uh, there's over 400 high schools playing gridiron football in Japan. Wow. 200 universities playing gridiron football in Japan. In uh, in Mexico this year, the LFA, uh, which is their professional football league, in their championship game, they had 8 million fans watch that game. Uh, tremendous success, tremendous passion. And uh, we've been talking to them. We've been talking to them about, you know, opportunities to collaborate. Uh, I think we should go global. I think we should reach out and find great players from around the world and bring them here Let's make let's make the CFL the epicenter of global football. Let's let's have the best and the brightest from all around the world come and play our great game. Those are just some of the ideas that we've been talking about. So Ryan Ryan gets a gold star tonight because I think he is entirely on the on the right page. Now we're going to be seeing two new spring leagues pop up in the U.S. over the next few years. Uh, you talk about going global and uh, attracting the best talent to the CFL. How will the CFL continue to do that as these new leagues continue to pop up for players? Well, you know, we 
you're football guys, so you know that it's not the first new leagues that have come on the scene. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. The CFL's been around an awfully long time, and it's seen football come and football go. You know, in part, you have to, first of all, Bill Polian, who is uh, directly involved in, uh, in this new league that's coming on stream this spring, you know, Bill is one of the one of the great football people uh, in our business, and absolutely someone to be respected. So I'll, I would not, I would never presume to disrespect what he's trying to do. Uh, so you keep one eye on what they're doing. But quite honestly, we need to keep both hands on the steering wheel in the Canadian Football League. We need to be we need to focus on our own game. But we've got something special here. We have a great game. It's played fast. It's played by world-class athletes. I think we should open up the world and invite the world to come and play our game. I think our game is played in a way that can attract international fans, um, new markets. So, you know, as much as I am absolutely committed to studying and learning uh, from these new leagues, I'm more, I'm more uh, passionate about focusing on our great game, working with our governors, working with the presidents, coaches, general managers to, uh, to, build the, to build the greatest CFL possible. With, with the new leagues popping up and, you know, you still want to see an attractive option for, for players from south of the border, uh, the NAG list with, with names not – well, I know you guys released, you know, 10 names per team, but in trades and stuff like that, has there been any talk or any rumblings about maybe, you know, those names being uh, – revealed as well in trade so it's not so just one-sided of a trade for fans yeah you know it's a great question and i would say and i i you know i i think this is a bit of the randy's broken record (laughs) i want to look at everything and take a fresh look at how we do it all i want to you know i want to explore you know all of the processes we use i'll give you an example just just this past uh, week, I was in uh, in BC and Vancouver visiting uh, visiting Rick Lawlisher and the and the BC Lions, and, and an issue came up around the uh, the daily status uh, roster status reports that have to be filed by the teams, and it required the teams to file those reports at four o'clock Eastern. And in my conversation with Ed Hervey, Rick Lawlisher, and and Coach Buono. You know, the fact is, those guys are still on the practice field. It's only it's only one o'clock in the afternoon there, mm-hmm. and uh, and using uh, getting unanimous support from the president, and then putting it to the governors. I was able to get unanimous support to make the change. Now that change is is done through an administrative mechanism, and then we'll ask for formal support uh, at the next board of governors meeting. But it just goes to show you if you look at if you look at things, you have an open mind. You know you can make you can make things happen quickly, and I think we should do that with all of the things we do, and just see if um, there aren't opportunities to improve our game, to make it more exciting for our fans, make it more exciting, you know, for yourselves who are telling the story of our great league. So yeah, I think I'm trying to go to work every morning with an open mind and uh, looking for looking for ways to improve our game. Kamish, I want to talk to you about the Diversity is Strength campaign, but first we we do have to say thank you to ATB Financial. Now, if you're looking for a place to 
get your funds in, well, maybe ATB is the place for you. It's it's what I do. I got my mortgage there and uh, everything. They have no fee, all in checking accounts, all right? They got the all digital checking and saving stuff. Don't have to deal with the paper, the crap showing up in the mail. I'm not a fan of that. No monthly fee, no minimum balance, unlimited digital transactions and interact e-transfers. Remember the day when you had to pay the dollar fifty per e-transfer? No more. No fees for that. So more information, ATB.com. Commish I know. We saw the T-shirts on the sidelines. So many amazing stories to tell for all these trailblazers that have come through the Canadian Football League. And it sure seems like the Diversity of Strength campaign was really taken to a whole new level this season in the past couple of weeks. I loved it, and I know a lot of others loved it as well. That must be a very proud moment for you. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, and... I. Somebody, you know, you get asked about it. I get asked about it a lot. And and it's so exciting because it's so authentic. Look, I can go to a fan anywhere in this country, and you will know they have seen players come into their communities welcomed with open arms. You know, we're not a perfect country, but, boy, we're pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. And the way we treat people when they come here, you know, the openness we have, you know, we have been trailblazers. We were the league that welcomed, you know, Bernie Custis to Canada. And, uh, you know, and, and we were the league that saw Chuck Ely come here. And, of course, Warren Moon, everyone talks about. But, you know, Joanne Pollock, who was just, uh, you know, was acknowledged, you know, for the first woman GM. We're talking about Joey Moss in Edmonton. You know, Joey, uh, who is afflicted with Down syndrome, Joey's been part of the Edmonton Oiler and, and Edmonton Eskimo locker room. And if you saw the way our players treat Joey with the tremendous respect they have for him and the love that Joey gives back to the players, you know, there are so many parts of what we do, the inclusiveness that we have as a league, uh, the way the players treat summers. It makes you feel good, makes you feel proud, and I think it is a great story for us to tell it. You know, I, I mean, one of the important things is hey, we're not we're not uh, protesting anything. We're celebrating. Like it's a celebration of what makes us great and what has been a, such a proud part of our history. It has been a source of discussion over the last few years about the Edmonton Eskimos nickname. And I know Len Rhodes has toured the North and talked to our great Inuit people. Is the name change 100% up to the Edmonton Football Club or uh, is the CFL involved in those discussions at all? Well, I talk with uh, with Len Rhodes and and Brad Sparrow. Brad is the chairman of the Edmonton Eskimo Board of Governors. Uh, you know, we talk about it. I'm 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 curious. You know, I uh, I try myself, and Len's been great. Brad has been great at keeping me informed. You know, so there's such a history. You know, of course, the the name. Edmonton Eskimo, that that team name was never pejorative. It was never it was never designed to be an insult to anyone. Right. In fact, some of the history, you know, the the name itself comes from from another Aboriginal group who called the the you know the people of the North Eskimos, uh, which was a reference to the fact that they ate raw meat. The Edmonton Eskimo term has never been used with anything but class and distinction. 
you know, you both will know, I, I myself, having played there for five years, I can say proudly it is the, it is the greatest association I have had in my lifetime with an organization. I couldn't have been prouder uh, when I put on that jersey, I wore it with pride. I think I represented the brand uh, and, uh, and the team name in a way that would have brought honor to it. I think that's the way all the players feel. So, you know what? You still have to be, you have to talk to, you have to talk to the people who have a different point of view. You have to be respectful. I'm, I feel it's a decision that the team um, has to wrestle with. They know I'm interested, and I'll help them any way that I can. But ultimately, you know, the um, the decision on that issue has to rest with uh, with Len and and Brad and their colleagues. Still staying with the diversity aspect, uh, we both have season tickets in Edmonton and Regina. Um, you know, and we're crazy. we've noticed. <laughs> yeah, we're we're not the smartest too. Um, <laughs> We are. We we've noticed that by far we are the youngest people in our section, uh, in Edmonton. Anyway, uh, the Thursday night football concert series that you guys have put on has been awesome. Whether it be in stadium or on TV, um, you know, lots of different party atmospheres from across the league. Just is there is there other um, programs or or things that you guys that the league is doing to attract the younger crowd? Yeah, it's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Look. Um... Thursday night, I think, has been a blockbuster success for us. And, you know, a lot of thanks to, to my team at the league office, to, you know, to Christina Litz and, and, uh, and, her, and her team for the effort they made to put that together. Uh, but I got to say, big thanks to TSN, you know, for the energy they put into that show. You know, uh, Kate's come on this year. She's done a great job. I thought, uh, I thought that show was fun and friendly, the concerts. So it, Thursday night has become a, and, and of course the rec laws, you know, that, the Thursday night song, Long Live the Night, um, is iconic. And, and I know my own daughters, you know, they, uh, they text around before game time every Thursday reminding everyone to turn the TV up and, you know, and, and listen to the song. That's been exciting. I think it's been good for the league. But uh, we're not stopping there. You know, we're, we're doing our, uh, our family theme games. And uh, mm-hmm. Toronto did the first one and had the biggest walk-up crowd they've had in five years. Wow. They had a fantastic, oh. uh, they've had a fantastic response from the public. And you see these young kids with their parents and uncles and aunts coming to the game. And, you know, the, the family channel uh, who are partnering with us and, you know, can't thank them enough. But, you know, that's even bringing a younger crowd. And, you know, you never know. You just never know when that that little boy or little girl is going to have that moment where the, the game grabs a hold of their hearts and they become fans for life. And so we're doing a lot of work on all those uh, fronts. And, you know, what we're saying to, uh, you know, what we're trying to say to the Canadian public and our fan base is we want to invite everyone in. There's lots of room in the CFL tent for everyone and make everyone feel warm and welcomed in our, in our stadiums and, you know, being part of our game. So, yeah, you know what? We, uh, we, need, we need to continue to work on this. We'll continue to look for new initiatives. But so far this season, uh, you know, our Thursday night ratings have been incredibly good. Our Thursday night ratings have actually gotten younger, which has been very exciting for us. And, uh, 
and that's you know so again lots of people to thank but uh but but a lot of very good news this year and speaking of getting younger you mentioned the younger kids either coming with their parents or you know trying to get them more i don't know involved or interested in the league um you know there's over 100 million game consoles and homes uh you know in north america and everybody seems to have a cell phone there's cfl football frenzy there's stuff like that but um is there any talks about like maybe an actual CFL uh, like version of a football video game in the talks, or is there anything you can say on that? Yeah, let's, again, thank you. It's a great uh, it's a great question. You know, we have had such remarkable success with CFL Frenzy. So you you may not know this, but I think we're more than seven hundred thousand downloads of the game now. Whoa. <laughs> um, We've been we've been uh, working on and are and are going to be launching some some uh, uh, updates to CFL Frenzy this fall. Um, we believe that there's lots of opportunity to grow that aspect of our game. You know, the digital platforms, the game platform. We are open-minded to other opportunities. Right now, this one has been working. We've had uh, several several uh, days where we have been the number one downloaded game. On uh, you know on Apple's app site, you know that's good news for us. We're not just downloading our game in Canada, but we've had lots of downloads in other countries as well. Wow, we think that's good. So you know what, guys, this is one of those times where you know we're we got something good happening. We have to continue to work hard at it. But I agree, we have to look for new opportunities to to grow and expand and. And, uh, you know, you never know where that's going to take you, but, but having an open mind to looking for those opportunities is important. Just a few more questions before we let you go for the night. I wanted to ask you about Johnny Manziel. Uh, he's the talk of the CFL the entire season, it seems like. He's a pretty polarizing character, though, and I noticed that you have been very swift with uh, – Voiding contracts if a player has been found to have issues uh, with domestic abuse or anything like that. And it has been said that Johnny went through a very thorough process to prove his past was his past. Is that something that's available for all players, maybe looking for a second chance in pro football? Well, yeah, again, you guys, uh, man, you guys have done your homework. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great question. You know, I guess... Uh, what I've learned and I'm continuing to learn is you have to look at every case on a case-by-case uh, basis because every situation is different. We brought in, and something that I think we are doing differently than, than we did in the past, is we're bringing in medical experts and domestic violence experts, and they teach you a lot. They teach you about uh, when they interview players um, who are, you know, interested in coming in the league with a history. They teach you a lot about, you know, how those players react to questions they're asked. And you can't have a football guy asking those questions because in all due respect to, you know, many of the things that I believe I can do well, I don't have that background. I don't have that experience. So you, you rely on others. And, and then they, they help you. They, they tell you when somebody, you know, is, is got a lot of the things, um, setting themselves up for a lot of the things to go right for them. They will also tell you when, when somebody is exhibiting all the warning signs that, that things aren't going to go well. And then quite honestly, here's the punchline. They also tell you there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees that 
as hard as we've worked at it, um, you know, things can happen. So I don't ever want to come off as being smug or, or self-righteous on these questions. I think that the fans in this league and the governors are expecting me to do my very best. I hope they're holding me to a high standard. I think in this case, uh, you know, I, I want the best for these players. Sometimes the circumstances will allow us to give a player a chance. Um, in a case, as we did with Johnny, we put specific conditions around, um, you know, his circumstances. We did that not for ourselves, but frankly for him, for the fans and the community that he plays in. And you try every day to do the best you can. So, yeah, lots, there's lots of work that we've done. Uh, very, very pleased with that, but uh, certainly don't feel like, we've, um, like we don't have more to learn. And just one more Twitter question. Uh, Mitch was wondering where you see the CFL in 10 or 20 years and kind of what you hope your legacy uh, will be or is to be uh, as a CFL commissioner. Yeah, uh, my gosh. Um, You know, I can close my eyes and tell you that I see a day in the not-too-distant future where we will be doing big broadcast numbers in five, six, and seven countries in the world. I, I see a day where we'll have players from five, six, seven countries, the best players from their pro leagues, coming to play in the CFL and uh, representing, you know, themselves, their families, and their countrymen. I see uh, that 10th franchise and then maybe more after that. I see, you know, I see our stadiums filling up because we deliver great value. I think we are going to see our partnership with TSN flourish and grow. I would say, you know, in five you know, to 10 years, and I just wake up every day thankful that I've got this job. I, I think I wake up and one, at one point I'll be so proud to, to, you know, pass the keys to the next commissioner and, and somewhere along the way uh, feel like I contributed to this league, you know, uh, getting much closer to reaching its full potential. And, and that'll be a proud moment for me. And, you know, between here and there, there's just a lot of hard work and, you know, spending time with you on a great show that you do, um, continuing to talk to our fans, spending time in the stadiums, meeting fans on the street, you know, the planes, trains, and automobiles routine, and, and as my <laughs> mom always did, find time for find time for people, listen to them, uh, be approachable, and uh, and because there's a lot of learning. So all of those things and a whole lot more, and if you gave me another hour, I'd, I'd elaborate, but... Uh, I probably talked your ears off for tonight, and I just thank you for uh, making an effort to uh, let me tell our story. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. I can't let you go without asking you about food because you're an offensive lineman born in Winnipeg. Uh, I got to ask, this came on Twitter too, but I want to know as well, uh, what's the most amount of pierogies you've put away in one sitting, and what's the best item you've had at a, or best food item, I should say, you've had at a CFL stadium? Well, you know, first of all, there's, you know, if you're a, if you're a seasoned pierogi man, you don't count. <laughs> like you all know, three I, of us I, are, I'm sure. To me, that's a bit of an amateur pierogi <laughs> thing. Uh, and once you've gone pro, um, you know, you just, it's like, um, it's like the great athletes, once they score a touchdown, 
they they look like they've been there before, right? They've just uh, they put the ball down and they and they move on. That's Hand it back to the for, official. That's the right. That's the, that's the same for a pierogi man. So yeah, no counting. Um, but as far as the look, I I think that is the greatest part of the job is being in the stadiums, meeting with the fans. Uh, you might find this hard to believe, but I don't do a lot of eating when I'm in the, in the stadium because I I'm generally busy. I try to ask the teams to keep me busy meeting with our sponsors and and uh, you know I do try to do fan uh, fan things. I did a, a big town hall in Vancouver last week. Did a big fan thing. So uh, I, maybe I got to start changing my program and get back to eating in the stadium. But for uh, <laughs> For now, I'm I'm enjoying them. I'm just enjoying spending time with our great fans and supporters. On behalf of uh, all fans across Canada, we're happy that you are the commissioner of the CFL, Randy Ambrosi. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Ty and I. Got gentlemen, it's been an honor and pleasure. Have a great evening. Well, that was lots of fun to have Commissioner Ambrosi on the 2 and Out CFL podcast. We'll be back after Labor Day, Tuesday morning, Brazilian Ty and Travis Kerr with another episode of 2 and Out, a part of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. you got to check out albertapodcastnetwork.com because there is something for absolutely everyone on there. We like to talk about food on 2 and Out. We like to talk about everything like that. Tomato Radio. The Tomato Radio. Mary Bailey and her co-host Amanda talk all about food and drink. And they're from Edmonton, too. So check out that show and more at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.